take your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 as we continue our series, Living by Faith. Let's begin reading Hebrews 11. I want to just read verses 1 through 5. The Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. And then this is where our focus will be this morning, verse number 5. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found. Because God had translated him, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. If you would, underline that phrase in your Bible, that he pleased God. You can stick your finger here in Hebrews 11 and go over to Genesis 5, to the story of Enoch as we have it first recorded for us in the Word of God in Genesis 5. Verses 21 through 24, the Bible says, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. Enoch is a special character in Scripture. We find him first in this genealogy in Genesis. And his record differs from everybody else's record at that time because we do not have record that Enoch died. In fact, the Scripture says he was translated. It says that God took him. And the reason that we see here in the text is that it was because he walked with God. Enoch also is interesting because even though he lived a long time, 365 years, he lived a lot shorter than most of the people of his era. If you look at the genealogy surrounding Enoch, you'll see people living 700, 800, even 900 some years. And yet there's Enoch, 360 years. In our last message last week, we looked at the life of Abel, who's mentioned there in Hebrews 11:4. And if you get a chance, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. We saw that a sinner can only enter into the presence of a holy God as he exercises faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to come before God is by faith in Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of Calvary, and in the finished work of Christ. See, faith sets aside all man-made schemes, suggestions of personal merit, and light views of sin, and instead, faith trusts wholly in the revelation which God has made in His Word concerning man's need, and, man, and the provision which God has made in His Son to meet that need. Let me say that again. Faith sets aside all of man-made schemes. It's not something that people come up with. No, this is God's way. It sets aside our, our personal merit that somehow we can attain unto or earn favor with God. It sets aside light views of sin that says, well, our sin really isn't that bad at all. No, sin is anything that breaks God's law. And the wages of sin is death. See, faith sets aside those things and instead it trusts 
wholly, completely in the revelation, in the Word of God that God made to us concerning our need because of our sin and the provision that God has made for our need through the person of Jesus Christ and through His death on the cross for our sin. John 3.16 sums it up so well, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I love it how the Bible says it in Acts 4.12 when it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In this message today, we will see how the sinner, that's you and me, who by faith has come into fellowship with God, like Abel, by faith continues in that fellowship with Him. Colossians chapter 2 says this, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. We have to receive Him by faith, but we must also fellowship with Him, walk with Him by faith. The same way that you came to Jesus is the same way that you walk with Jesus and live with Jesus. It's not that we came to Him by faith, but now we walk with Him in our own strength. Some of us have tried that, and we're here to tell you it doesn't work. You can't walk with Him in your own strength. You can only walk with Him by faith. And Enoch is a wonderful example in Scripture of a man who walked with God, he fellowshiped with God by faith. Verse 5 again of Hebrews 11, by faith. The Bible is clear to highlight that Enoch did this by faith. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Why? For before his translation he had this testimony that he, Enoch, pleased God. In Genesis 5, we read of Enoch, the seventh from Adam. He's the seventh generation from Adam who walked with God and he lived daily in holy and happy fellowship with the Lord. You know, Adam and Eve also walked with God. The Bible tells us that in Genesis chapter 3. But they walked with God until sin came in and broke that wonderful fellowship between the Creator and His created ones. When sin comes into our lives, it robs us of fellowship with God. It keeps us from walking in faith with Jesus Christ. And this faith that Enoch had is a faith that links us, that same kind of faith is what links us to God. Because it's faith in Jesus Christ whereby the link between God and man is restored and fellowship is made possible. Enoch's faith enabled him to enjoy this fellowship. And this is the only thing that we are told about this man of God was that he walked with God. I said, well, that's not very descriptive, pretty generic. He just walked with God. And after all, that is, though, the greatest achievement for anybody. Wouldn't it be to be in fellowship with God Himself? You know, you can tell a lot about a person by the people that they walk with, that they fellowship with, that they spend time with. I used to have, have a friend as a when I was a teenager, he was a preacher, and he would make this statement all the time. He said, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And it's so true. You can tell a lot about a person by the people that are their friends and the people that they spend time with in fellowship. Enoch was a man who was known by his fellowship. He was known by his relationship with God in that he walked with God. Many people today don't know what it truly is to walk with God and to have fellowship with Him. Where does this fellowship begin? What is it like? How does this fellowship go on? And how does it end so far as this life is concerned? 
I want you to notice with me this morning from Enoch's life what it looks like for us to have the fellowship of faith. The fellowship of faith. First of all, let's notice the characteristics of this fellowship. What are the characteristics of the fellowship of faith? What does it look like for you to have this kind of faith that brings fellowship between you and God? And I want you to ask yourself this question this morning because we looked at this last week that without faith we cannot have a good report. So I want you to give yourself a grade. What is your fellowship with God like? Do you find these characteristics of the fellowship of faith in your life? Well, let's see what the distinguishing marks of Enoch's walk were. First of all, we see that Enoch walked, and the Bible says, with God. He walked with God. This word, with, denotes fellowship. It denotes a relationship. Enoch did not walk independently. Rather, he walked in dependence upon God. He walked with God, which implies that he went in the same direction as God. It, how can two walk together, Amos 3.3 says, unless they be agreed. You cannot walk with God if you are going in a different direction from God. He also walked at the same speed as God. You cannot walk with God if you're always dragging behind Him or you're always trying to run ahead of Him and do it at your own pace. No, Enoch's life was lived in harmony with the Lord and in step with Him. Enoch walked with God. Enoch had to live in the conscience, conscious presence of God and in the center of God's will for his life. We see Enoch walked with God, but we also see that Enoch walked in a way that was pleasing to God. Hebrews 11.5 tells pleased God. You know, Paul talked about this desire of his heart as he wrote to Timothy and it was his desire that he would stand before the Lord someday and hear the Lord say well done thou good and faithful servant. Paul wanted to live a life that was pleasing to God and Enoch was able to do that. He pleased God. So think about this with me this morning. Is it possible for us to know for you to know, for me to know that we are living day by day in a way that's pleasing to God. Is this just an impossible mark to hit, pleasing God? Is it just a nebulous idea, pleasing God? Or can we know whether or not we are living a life that's pleasing to God? I would answer that question this morning by saying, yes, we can know. We can know, but the reality is I think so many people either live in ignorance of what is pleasing to God or they live trying to ignore what is pleasing to God. They may not know what it is at all, and I want to help you with that this morning and educate you on what God says is pleasing to Him. But I also want to challenge you because if you know what is pleasing to God, then you and I are responsible to be obedient to His Word, to not just ignore what we know is pleasing to God and live according to our own ways. Well, the Scripture gives us a number of examples of things that are pleasing to God. First of all, in Romans 8 and verse 8, it says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Therefore, we can only please Him if we are born again. We can only please God if we're born again. If we are in our own flesh, we cannot please God. That's an important point to make because so many think, well, I have a lot to offer. I'm a pretty good person. I've done all of these good things. But Romans is clear that in our own flesh, in your own flesh, you cannot please God. You must be born Again, the Bible says that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is 
spirit. You must have had a spiritual birth, a spiritual rebirth, if you will, to be born of God and to please God. We can only please Him if we're born again. Secondly, the Scripture teaches us that we can only please Him if we are living lives that are separated. Separated lives, separate from sinful, doubtful, and hindering things. That's not just church talk. That's what the Bible teaches. 2 Timothy 2.4 says it this way, No man that warreth, if you're in a battle, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. You can't get caught up, distracted by all these other things going on. He says that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If you want to please God, then you need to separate yourself out from those things which are distracting, those things which are sinful, those things which keep you from walking in close fellowship with him. So we can only please him if we're born again. Are you born again this morning? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Jesus said, marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. It shouldn't surprise you. He told Nicodemus that. Nicodemus was a very educated man, a man who, had, who was a very religious man. He was a very righteous man. He did lots of good things, and yet he had not been born again. You see, in your own flesh, you cannot please God. If you're living a life, even as someone who says, I have been born again, but you are distracted by the things of this world and you're caught up in sinful devices, you are not living a life that is pleasing to God. In fact, Romans 12:1 teaches us that the only way we can please God is by giving ourselves wholly to Him. Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what does he say? A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. To be acceptable before God, to be pleasing before God, is to give your life as a living sacrifice to Him, to say, Lord, this isn't my body anymore. This isn't my life anymore to control. This is yours. God, teach me from your word how you want me to live. God, show me what you want me to do. God, I want to give my life in service to you, a living sacrifice. Does the Bible teach us how we can live a life that's pleasing to God? Yes, it does. It teaches us that we must be born again. It teaches us that we must be separated from sinful, doubtful, and hindering things. It teaches us that we can please Him only by giving ourselves wholly to Him. And the Bible also teaches us that we can please Him by obeying Him. By obeying Him. I know we sent a lot of the kids out to junior church, but there's some big kids in here that ought to write this verse down, Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in all things. Why? For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. If you want to please the Lord, you have to obey your parents. But that, I think, for all of us, if God is our Heavenly Father, should we not obey Him as well? Because that's pleasing to Him. Even Jesus gave us an example of obedience to His Father as a way to please Him. John 8, 29, this is a great verse. The Bible says, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. Jesus, His life here on this earth was lived to please His heavenly Father. Jesus is our example. Therefore, it's not a stretch to say that our lives lived here ought to be lived to please the Father. That brings us back to our question, can you know? That you are living a life that is pleasing to God? Yes, we can. 
So for at least us this morning, as we hear these things, and there are many others we could go through in Scripture, but this gives us a starting point anyway. We can't claim ignorance when it comes to knowing what pleases God. But I'm very concerned that it is so easy for us to just ignore what we know is true. And we fall into often that second problem that keeps us from pleasing God. We just stay distracted. We just coddle our own sinful selves and just ignore it. Well, that's not that big of a deal. As long as nobody knows about it, as long as I can just kind of keep things together and we worry a lot about what happens on the outside. Yes, man looks on the outward appearance, but where does God look? He looks on the heart. He sees and He knows. I'm not trying to scare you this morning that I'm going to be coming and peeking in your window. I'm not going to come at night and rifle through your trash can. Don't worry about those things. It's not me that's sneaking around to do those things. And you know what? God doesn't have to sneak around either because God's here with us right now. God knows what's in your mind. He knows what's in your heart. And He sees everything you do. Can you hide anything from God? No, you cannot. I would invite you this morning to examine your heart and say, God, am I really pleasing you? And we wonder why we don't have close fellowship with Him. Because we're either ignorant of or we're ignoring the clear commands of His Word on how to live a life that's pleasing to Him. But you know what? You cannot please God in your own strength. That's what we're looking at this morning. You must live a life that's pleasing to God, but you can't do it on your own. How did Enoch do it? By faith. By faith. Faith is relying on God's ability. It's relying on God's word. It's relying on God's power to enable you to do those things that you would not naturally do on your own. And I want to take us to the second point the commencement of the fellowship of faith. Where does this begin? Was Enoch always a believer or did he always walk with God? I think in Genesis 5, it gives us a clue about that. I did some research and looked at this up and uh, did some research back in the original languages. I did some research in comparing Enoch's record with the other records and comparing story in Scripture with other stories in Scripture. And it does seem like the Bible is specifically telling us that Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah and then Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. So it would seem to say that the Scripture is teaching us that Enoch lived 65 years of his life not walking with God. And that this point when Methuselah was born was a turning point in Enoch's life. And after this point, he began to walk with God. So I would say that even from the text in, in Genesis 5, that Enoch did not always walk with God. But I think we can also see from the broader understanding of Scripture that no man was born walking with God. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. I think we could say that it's pretty clear from these verses that Enoch began to live a life of faith at the age of 65 when Methuselah was born. And if that's true then think about what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 4 when Nicodemus said first to Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus, we don't know how old he was, but he was enough to call himself old. Enoch was 65. Again, depending on how you look at it, might be old, might not be old, but it's older than a newborn. See, the answer is yes. And that's what Jesus told Nicodemus, and that's what I would tell you as well. You can be born when you're old. 
That is, you can be born again. You can be born again. Very often the joys of life and the pleasures of life can lead to a man's conversion as possibly this birth of Methuselah led Enoch to begin a walk with God. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 speaks about this when it says, Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? You know, I've talked to a number of people in my relatively short life, a number of people who have told me that it was when their children were born that they began to seek God. That might even be the experience of some of you here in this room. We had a couple in our church when my wife and I lived with India, in Indiana, and God gave them their first child, and they brought the baby home and you know, started working through all the beginning stages of baby, and they began to look at each other, and they said, we don't know what to do. And their next thing was, maybe we should go find what God tells us to do. And that's what brought them to church. That's when they ended up trusting Christ as their Savior. They were baptized. They began to walk by faith and grow in the Lord. That man today is a deacon in the church and serving God faithfully when eight or nine years ago he didn't walk with God at all. What changed in his life? Well, obviously he trusted God by faith. But what motivated that change was the birth of his first Son. So I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility to look at Enoch's life based on what we see in Genesis chapter 5 and say, clearly something took place in Enoch's life about the time that Methuselah was born. You know, sometimes it's not the joys of life, though, that bring us to God. Rather, it's the sorrows and afflictions of life which lead to a person's conversion. There's a wonderful example of this in Scripture in Luke chapter 15, verse 17 and 18. The story that is commonly known as the prodigal son. The Bible says, and when he, this is this prodigal son, came to himself. Where did he find himself? Having spent all of his father's inheritance, having lost everything that he had, living in a pig pen, wishing he could eat the food that the pigs were eating. That's how bad it was. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. God uses great joys to bring us to Him, but He also uses great sorrow and suffering to bring us to Him. It may be in, a, in your life that you're in a place of great difficulty right now. And that God has brought you there, not because He wants to beat you up, but rather He's brought you there in order that you may turn to Him for help and deliverance. If this is so, it's not because God hates you, it's because God loves you. And He wants you to seek Him. And He wants you to find Him. And He wants you to enjoy fellowship with Him. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man His thoughts. And let Him return unto the Lord and He will have mercy upon Him and to our God. For He, I love this phrase, will abundantly say, well, I, I've done a lot of things. I, I'm not your typical person who's a pretty good person. No, I've done a lot of bad stuff. No, he says he will abundantly pardon. That's good news. That's the gospel. That's worth praising the Lord for because he is a good God and he's merciful. He's forgiving. Why not turn to him and start today to walk with him? Some say, well, I used to walk with Him or I could never walk with Him. No, turn to Him by faith, trusting that His grace is greater than all your sin. Trust in Him today and begin or return to that fellowship with the Lord. The commencement of the fellowship of faith. But you can do what Enoch did.
you can trust in God by faith. I want you to see thirdly this morning the continuation of the fellowship of faith. The continuation. How long did Enoch walk with God? Well, Enoch's walk with God continued just as long as his earthly life lasted. And then he stepped from earth to heaven. And you know what happened when Enoch got to heaven? He didn't need faith anymore because his faith was lost in sight. Faith is something that we need in this life to begin a relationship with God. Faith is something that we need to be able to continue in a relationship, in fellowship with God. But someday we look to heaven where our faith will become sight. Perhaps some of Enoch's relatives and friends who noticed that he was now walking with the Lord said, it'll never last. Maybe you've had some people like that in your life. Oh, sure, now they're going to, it'll never last. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to encourage a man in his faith and began to disciple him, study God's word with him, and saw God really do a wonderful work of transformation in his life. But when he came to me, he said these words. He said, Pastor, my wife tells me that I'm a bad husband. Can you help me? And boy, you know, people tell you strange things when you're a pastor, but sometimes you hear them, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I can help you be a good husband. I don't know what kind of can of worms we're going to open up here. I'm a bad husband. Can you help me? And I looked at him and I said, well, I can probably talk to you about what the Bible says about being a good husband. I can help you with that. But I said, has anybody ever taken the Bible and just showed you how to walk with God and have a personal relationship with him? He goes, no, nobody ever has. And I said, before we talked about the good husband, the bad husband stuff, let's just talk about your own relationship with God. Because the reality is your relationship with God is the most important relationship that you have. And without faith, we can't please God. And you'll never have the right relationship that you want. You'll never be the husband that you should be if you don't have the Lord in your life. And he said, okay. So we began meeting and we would get together on Saturday mornings and these meetings would last one, two, sometimes three hours. And we talked about all kinds of stuff. We were working through the continue book together that many of our folks here have gone through, but his conversations would go all over the place. And, and he and I were very different people. You know, I'm somebody who grew up in a big city. He grew up in a small town. I'm somebody who um, worked in, in a kind of work where I did a lot of study and a lot of speaking. He worked as a mechanic and a truck driver. Just two very different people. And yet, we were able to connect around the Word of God. And he told me after several weeks of this, he said, I really wish that my wife would also do this as well. I think this would really help her. And I said, well, let me tell you, I don't think that going to her and saying, you need to do this Bible study with me, would really help her right now. I said, why don't you just continue faithfully to walk with God and do what's right and let your testimony speak to her. She's lived with you a long time. I said, she's waiting to see if you're serious or not. Because she doesn't know if this is going to last. Well, it wasn't too long after that, a few months later, that one day he came in all excited. He said, Pastor, as I had my Bible out and I was sitting in bed reading it, I looked over and my wife had got herself a Bible and a notebook and she was reading it. And I didn't even say anything. I just sat there and read my Bible and she read her Bible. And it was the greatest thing. Well, then God began to burden his heart for his two teenage boys. He said, I wish that my boys would want to come to church. I make them come to church with me because I'm their dad and I can do it. But they just don't want to come and they hate it. And I said, well, how old are they? And they were 13 and 15 years old. And I said, they've lived 13 and 15 years of their life not going to church, not walking with God, not seeing parents that walked with God. Give them time. They're trying to see if you're serious or not. Well, then, a few months after this, one Sunday he was not at church. And I didn't think too much of it. People get sick. People go out of town. Things happen, right? But he called me on Monday and he said, Pastor, please forgive me. I wasn't at church yesterday. I said, it's okay. You don't have to ask my forgiveness. And he said, no, 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 I do, I do. 
He said, we were at the monster truck route 2.30 in the morning because it was a ways away and they had to drive a long way to get back to the small town where we live in Indiana. And he said, and the next morning when I woke up, we were just exhausted. And I looked over at my wife and she said, are we going to church? And he said, no, we're tired. We're just going to stay home and drink coffee and relax. And we need time of rest. Didn't God tell us to rest? You know, came up with all these good spiritual reasons why you should stay home and rest. And he said, I was sitting there with my wife drinking coffee. And he said, and I looked over and here comes down the stairs, my 15 year old son dressed. And he looked at me and said, dad, aren't we going to church? And he said, pastor, I realize God is working on his heart. And I thought that it didn't matter, my son didn't care, and he didn't want to do what was right. And he said, I'm never going to miss church again for going to the monster truck rally. I said, well, you do what you need to do, but I believe if you'll live a consistent life of faithfulness, if what you say matches up with what you do, it'll have a tremendous impact on the people that you live around. We don't know what Enoch's family and friends said to him about his walk with God, but perhaps they said it won't last. But the reality is Enoch's walk with God did last. It lasted and it went on and on in his faith and in his fellowship with the Lord until in Genesis 5 verse 24, the Bible dramatically states that he was not for God took him. Just think of it. Enoch walked with God for 300 years. That's 109,500 days. That's 2,628,000 hours. No, I didn't do that in my head. I looked it up on a calculator ahead of time. Did he do this, though, in a monastery? No, he, he had a home. He had a wife. He had children. Surely he had a business, had, had pleasures, he had work, he had joys and sorrows, just as we have. Enoch was a normal guy, but he had an ear that was ready to hear God's voice. And he had a will that was ready to obey God's word. He did what God said. That song says it well. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word what a glory he sheds on our way what he says we will do where he sends we will go never fear only trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word what a glory he sheds on our way while we do his good will he abides with us still that's the fellowship yeah. and with all who will trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. We've seen the commencement of this walk of fellowship of faith. We've seen the continuation of this fellowship, but I want you to see finally this morning the consummation of the fellowship of faith. How did Enoch's walk of faith and Genesis 5.24 tells us he was not, for God took him. Hebrews 11, verse 5, our text this morning, adds to that when it says he was translated that he should not see death. This means that it was only the faith and aspect of Enoch's fellowship which came to an end. It was the only the faith aspect of Enoch's fellowship that came to an end. The fellowship did not end because the fellowship went on in heaven. If we walk with God down here by faith in Him, our experience will be where faith will end and sight will begin. Now, we may have to pass through the veil of death. Most people have. 
But in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8 says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent with, from the body and to be present with the Lord. Or on the other hand, we may, like Enoch, at the rapture, go to be with the Lord without dying. Some have said that Enoch's experience is a foreshadowing of what those believers who are alive on this earth when Christ comes back for his own will experience in the rapture when he will take them home to be in heaven with him. But whether our bodies are in the grave or whether they are still upon the earth at his coming, we shall be translated. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52 say, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. I want you to look at Hebrews 5. I'm sorry, Hebrews 11. Verse 5, that phrase that you underlined, that he pleased God. And then I want you to look down to the very next verse. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him seek you the lord while he may be found call upon him while he is near when you look at the life of enoch we don't know a lot about his day-to-day -day life in fact we know basically nothing other than he walked with god but we do know some things about the time period in which he lived it was during Enoch's life, as you read about the other names of the other people that were living in that genealogy, when the world was getting darker and darker, when there was more and more sin, when people were getting further and further away from God. Yes, people lived a really long time, but you know what that allowed them to do? That allowed them to come up with more and more wicked things to do. In fact, the Bible says that they were in the place in the days of Noah which came right after this, where all that they did was evil. Whatever they could imagine that was evil to do, that's what they did. So you see, Enoch's fellowship with God was by faith because when Enoch looked at the world around him, he would not have seen lots of other people walking by faith. When Enoch looked at the way other people were behaving, he saw people who were living long lives and doing whatever they wanted and whatever they pleased. In the midst of a wicked culture, in the midst of a, a world gone astray, Enoch chose to be a man of faith who walked with God. Enoch didn't have the completed scriptures that we have today. So there were probably a lot of things about God that Enoch didn't even know because he didn't have the full revealed word of God. But Enoch took what he did know of God and he walked with him by faith. Knowing God's word is a, is a tremendous tool and is, is helpful in the growth of our faith. But you don't have to know the whole Bible to walk by faith. Faith doesn't require a great education. Faith does not require years and years and years of experience. Faith does not require a family or a group of people around you who are also walking by faith. Yes, those are all helpful. But the only thing that's required for you to have faith is God and for you to trust in His Word. We can't make excuses for our society. We can't make excuses and say, well, because of my family. We can't make the excuse and say, well, I didn't have the same opportunity. We can't make excuses and say, well, you just don't understand what I've been through. No. If we have God, we have enough to have faith in Him. 
without that faith in God that not only begins in a personal relationship as we trust God's word by faith and believe upon Christ and be saved, then we must continue by faith in the fellowship of faith. Because you're going to face things that you're going to look around and say, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand. You're going to face things, this does not feel good. I don't like this at all. But Jesus said we need to have the faith of a child who comes and says, Lord, I believe. And you know, if you're struggling in your lack of faith, we even see the example in Scripture of praying and asking God for more faith. Lord, help thou mine unbelief. I'm not asking you this morning to reach down. We heard a lot about a boot, boots a little bit ago. Reach down and grab your bootstraps and yank yourself up to a better relationship with God. No, I'm calling upon you this morning to cast all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. I'm asking you to look to Christ and live. Not by works, not by labor of my hands, but by grace through faith. As I was doing some reading in preparation for this message, I came across a poem, a song written by Fanny Crosby. She was a very prolific hymn writer, and she was blind. She was a woman who, as a very young lady, young girl, through uh, a doctor's work, he didn't know what he was doing, and he prescribed the wrong thing and caused her to lose her sight. And so she lived most of her life without being able to see, and she wrote thousands of hymns, many that we sing today. And maybe some of you have sung this hymn. I don't believe that I have, so I'm not going to sing it to you this morning because the, even though I listen to the tune, it's unfamiliar to me. But let me just read to you what Fanny Crosby said. The song is entitled, We Walk by Faith. We walk by faith, and oh, how sweet the flowers that grow beneath our feet and fragrance breathe along the way that leads the soul to endless day. We walk by faith, but not alone. Our shepherd's tender voice we hear, his tender hand within our own, knowing that he is always near. We walk by faith, Christ wills it so, and marks the path that we should go. And when at times our sky is dim, Christ gently draws us close to Him. We walk by faith, divinely blessed. On Christ we lean, in Him we rest. The more we trust our shepherd's care, the more His love is ours to share. And thus, by faith, till life shall end, we'll walk with Christ, our dearest friend. Till safe we tread the fields of light, where faith is lost in precious sight. We have two choices. We can walk by faith, or we can walk by sight. You feel like you almost have split personalities. or You kind of bounce back and forth. You're over here, and you're walking by sight, and you realize, I can't walk by sight. I have to walk by faith. Come over here and look to the Lord, and you're trying to walk with Him, but then things don't make sense, and you don't understand what you see in the world, and you're struggling in your daily time with Him in prayer and in Bible reading, and you find yourself getting distracted and pulled away and pulled down in sin, and you find yourself getting drugged back over here to the site. And you've got to confess that to the Lord. Say, no, I want to walk by faith. I want to walk by faith. It's not to walk in foolishness. It's not to walk in ignorance. It's not to walk in a way that just ignores what's going on around us, but rather to say, Lord, help me to take your word and apply it to my life and do what you tell me to do. Society says one thing. My family says another the people I work with are going who knows where, but Lord, I just want to walk by faith. Lord, I'm not sure how I'm going to take care of all the responsibilities that I have. I, I don't know where it's going to come from. Lord, I don't know if I have the strength. I don't know if I have the right answers. Lord, I, I'm not sure what to say to this situation, but Lord, I'm going to trust you and walk 
by faith. Lord, I'm going to take time to be in your word, to study it, to learn what you have told me. I don't want to be ignorant on purpose. Lord, please reveal yourself to me as I study your word so that I can know your person. I can sense your presence. I can see your principles at play in this world and I can live by faith. Lord, I know living by faith isn't going to take away all my problems. Doesn't mean I'm not going to struggle. Doesn't mean I don't still live in this sinful world. But Lord, help me to rise above those things and walk by faith. Enoch walked by faith, and because of that, he pleased God. Have you taken account of your own life this morning? Where do you find yourself? Walking by faith, walking by sight, maybe bouncing back and forth. Can I encourage you to go come to the Lord by faith? Sometimes you do that so long and you say, I don't think it's even worth it. You say, Lord, that's me living by sight again. Help me to live by faith and to follow you. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you how it teaches us to live by faith and that there is a way that we can live a life that's pleasing to you. Help us not to be ignorant of your truth that you've laid out so plainly for us in your word. Lord, even just as important, if not more important, help us not to ignore the clear truth that we know to be true. Lord, you've said in your word, to whom much has been given, much is required. And I believe that goes along with the truth of your word. If we continue in sin, Lord, we don't do that so that grace may abound. No, let us confess our sin and forsake it, knowing that you will forgive us. Lord, forgive us for not walking by faith. There's a world all around us that needs you. We get so distracted and caught up in our own thing. We're sidelined in our work for the Lord. Bless this time now as we have an invitation. Help us to respond by faith. Help us not to let what others may think or say about us keep us from following you. In Jesus' name I pray.